1: Welcome to episode 128 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain. I'm a lab star, writer, and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. And joining us this evening, returning, should I say, he is the director of the film's Frankenstein's Creature and A Little More Flesh. He's also the co-host of the Arrow Video Podcast. A warm welcome back to Mr. Sam Asher. Sam, good evening.
2: Hello. Uh, hello, Mitch. Hello, Andy. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be back. You can also refer to me by my Garbage Pail Kid name, which is Sadist Sam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and on that subject, yeah, Sam, the last time you were here, you did pick the Garbage Pail Kids, um, which was a day that will live in infamy <laughs> uh, for a couple of reasons on the show, most notably because of the Nightingale comparison. Very fair. <laughs> yeah, my favourite thing about that is how completely founded in fact that it is. <laughs> I'm not going to say that you've stayed in the same lane this time, but you've certainly gone for something that's similarly over the top. Mm. Um, You've gone for the Toxic Avenger this time from 1984.
2: Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, like you say, we did do Garbage pale Kids last time. But we almost did Toxic Avenger back then. Do you remember, Mitch? Because I tried to do a last-minute swap-out back then because Toxic Avenger is much easier for me to defend than the Garbage Pocus movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. E- even though, as you rightly point out, they would make a pretty good double bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Toxic Avenger is a film that I love dearly and I kind of grew up in a similar way to Garbage Pail Kids. But obviously Toxic Avenger has a a much more enormous following and, yeah, a a larger legacy as well. So, yeah, there's quite a lot to talk about here. But also, of course, my film, A Little More Flesh, is going to be released by Troma. And uh, the Toxic Avenger himself, Toxie, is the mascot for the Troma label and has been for many years. So I I thought it would be good to do in that respect as well.
1: Yeah, and I also kind of feel vindicated in my decision to veto it first time (laughs) round.
2: You knew all along.
1: (laughs) There's it as well that um, the only reason that we did either of those two is because we pushed back because you wanted to do Batman versus Superman.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you see... this is it. Like I say, you know, my, my Garbage Pail Kid name is Sader Sam. And there is a part of me that wanted to make you both watch all 11 hours of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> um, and then I was going to try my best to, to defend it using lots of made up nonsense. But like I say, I don't need any made up nonsense this time. No, um, no, no, You may no. have
1: your day in the sun with that. Yeah, that seems like the kind of thing that we might just save up and inflict on Patreon users.
2: Yes. Oh, God. I would be very happy to do that. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Uh, you, can, <laughs> you guys can enjoy
1: that. I'll, <laughs> I'll use that as my... I'll take my annual leave then, Mitch, if that's all right. Uh, yeah, Andy sabbatical. Um, so, as you say, uh, as Toxic Avenger, you have a long and storied history with it. Tell us a little bit more about that. How old were you when you came across it? These kinds of things.
2: Basically, when I was growing up, my local video shop, Again, sadly, not a van, uh, (laughs) but my local video shop did have a trauma section. Wow. Um, So, yeah, like I said, I grew up on these movies. I remember seeing Class of Newcombe High with a gang of kind of school pals, and we'd do impressions of various moments from that film in the playground (laughs) afterwards. And, yeah, similar with uh, Toxic Avenger. It's just a film that I saw way too young, but clearly I was a market. Because um, it ended up being turned into a Saturday Morning Kids TV cartoon. Absolutely. You know, along with three film sequels, a stage musical. There were board games, action figures, stickers, all sorts. So, yeah, to, a film that was kind of relatively ignored on its initial release before it found an audience on the midnight movie circuit, to go on to being like a cartoon and stickers and all sorts. It's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say. So having only seen this for the first time tonight and knowing a little bit about what kind of went on to spawn, but not obviously not having seen any of it, that is fucking remarkable to me, actually.
2: (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's just weirdly iconic. Yeah, and we'll probably get into the reasons why that is. But there is something very unique and special at the heart of Toxic Avenger. Andy, yes. do you agree? Mm, yes, I do
0: agree. As a matter of fact, I think I'm a little bit older than both you guys, and I I remember Toxic Crusaders vividly. I think it came out when I was like ten or eleven or something. But my exposure to the Toxic Avenger as a film came through Bravo. Okay, don't oh, know yeah. if anyone remembers the channel Bravo. I remember the channel Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, they went through a phase in the kind of early to mid '90s of showing a bunch of weird stuff, like they would put on stuff like. Uh, Like the Toxic Avenger and stuff like Surf Nazis Must Die and and stuff like Class of Newcomb High which you've also mentioned. Then they would also put on stuff like really heavily censored versions of Zombie Flesh Eaters and these weird wonderful films that would play late at night on Bravo. and. I was in the lucky position as a child of that age to have a, at the time it was like NTL cable tail or something like that in my, I <laughs> uh, had a box in my bedroom. So I got to just watch all this stuff and record all this stuff at my leisure, really. And then uh, hang about after it for some uh, of those little snippets of free porn that you used to get on the adult channel. <laughs>
2: I mean this explains so much Andy the box in the room. it explains so much I could still yeah, you, only
0: watch porn if it's slightly pixelated and it's f- in 15 minute increments <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's where my exposure to The Toxic Avenger came from um, and it was a film that since then I, I mean it's another one of those films that I've got way too many versions of and it's just yeah he's a, a superhero that deserves more love and he got a fair amount, like 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 we said, he had a cartoon and figures and cereal and f- fuck knows what, a whole bunch of stuff. Which is ma- all the more mad when you think of the content of this film, the fact that they somehow managed to repackage it for children.
1: Yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of something that I'm trying to deconstruct in my mind at the moment. I probably have some questions about that as we go on. But what I will say, Andy, is I think that that one story about having an NTL cable box in your room tells me more about how you ended up the way you are than two years' worth of video van anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That is very true. The other thing to point out, sort of placing it within film history or whatever, it was Troma's first horror film. Before this, they'd done a lot of kind of over-the-top comedies. And you can, you know, get a little sense of that in Toxic Avenger. Mm -hmm. But they, they actually switched from comedy to horror afterwards and yeah love a lot of the films that you just mentioned Andy I'd also like to mention Tromeo and Juliet yeah Mm -hmm. um, which is an amazing film I was actually involved in a pilot for a film talk show for the BBC Um, this was a few years ago it was when I was kind of doing comedy stuff as well and the pitch was I would give comedians films to watch (laughs) and then they would come back the next week to like talk about the films that I pick for them and I gave someone who I won't name Tromeo and Juliet and I believe that decision significantly contributed to the demise of the show. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say know. to the demise of the person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they passed away shortly after watching what I believe to be up there with Troma's masterpieces Tromeo and Juliet.
2: Oh it's incredible I love it so much and I just assume that everyone's going to love the same films as me. But as it turns out, I do have quite a niche taste. But yeah, it's a fucking amazing film. I recommend it to anyone (laughs) listening to this podcast. How would you feel about summarizing it in 30 seconds, though? You know me. I'm very, very confident.
1: That is very true. You you exude confidence from every available orifice.
2: Yes, yes. Some more than others. But
1: right, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Andy, 30 seconds of the clock? Of
0: course, much of course I do. You know how this works. Sam knows how this works. I'm ready. I'm always ready.
1: Consummate
2: professionals across the board. Okay, Sam, here we go. Three, two, one, go. When mild-mannered gym janitor Melvin Third jumps out of a window wearing a pink tutu after being forced to kiss a sheep by a gang of sadistic bullies, he falls face first into a barrel of toxic waste, transforming into the toxic Avenger, a superhero who takes down bullies of all shapes and sizes wearing a face only a blind woman could love chaos <laughs> reigns i like the fact that both your 30 second synopses of the show have concluded with the words chaos reigns <laughs>
1: I mean, it's it's just factually accurate, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there's very little arguing with it. Right, guys, uh, it's it's going to come as no surprise to either of you, I don't imagine, to learn that my exposure to Tromaville and Troma in general is
2: fairly limited. I mean, um, I, I'm going to have to interrupt you here, Mitch, and point out that you have worked on a Troma film. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that one plenty. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one. Um, <laughs> you going to point out what it is?
1: <laughs> yes, it's my bloody banjo. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. That's my favourite one. Um, Massive love to
0: Liam, by the way, uh, Liam Regan, because uh, Troma and Juliet is his favourite film of all time.
1: Yep, huge love to Liam, as always.
2: I'd like to add uh, an extra uh, dollop of love uh, onto Liam because he is the reason A Little More Flesh is going to be on Troma now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, basically Liam saw it and looped me in with the Troma guys and they loved it too. But if it wasn't for Liam uh, initially introducing us, then um, I'm not sure if if the film would be on Troma now. In fact, I'm almost certain it wouldn't be. So um, thank you, Liam. I love you. (laughs) <laughs> I would say also, if it wasn't for
1: Liam, I probably wouldn't be working on a lot of the stuff that I'm working on right now as well. So I'm also going to say thank you, Liam. I love you. But yeah, so uh, I kind of went into this uh, just kind of being like, okay, let's just see where this takes me, and I will map out as it arises precisely where this took me.
2: Wow, okay. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this.
1: We do open in New York, or at least in a nearby Tromaville, which is the toxic waste dumping capital of the
2: world. Sure. Which is a no mean feat for um, a town with a population of fifteen thousand. I mean, it's very true. It's a crooked town, though, with that population with a very corrupt mayor, but yeah.
1: Very true, yes, of course. And before all that, though, we do meet Melvin Furd, our main character, uh, kind of, of, well, of sorts, I guess. We see him in very different incantations later. He works at the Tromaville Health Club as a janitor. This is unlike any health club I have ever seen in life. I have not been to many of them,
2: I would admit. Gyms are not a frequent hangout of mine. What what in particular stands out for you, Mitch, as being different? <laughs> I, I find it very recognisable myself, but... Oh, really, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I would I would say that people were generally um, kind of a little bit
1: more modestly attired. Ah, uh, right. For yeah.
0: the most part, Mitch, people are dressed fine. Those, those those extremely bad gay stereotypes who I think they might be called posing pouches that they're wearing.
1: To me, that's okay. the most egregious display of skin. I would say that's probably true. As we get this kind of like this kind of whip round this rapid fire introduction to the health club, I am um, I like the say what you see nature of the song that we have here. Right, okay. <laughs> the music in general is, is pretty great but yeah hot sweat running down your face muscles working overtime is an on the nose uh, thing to be playing while we're watching a montage of people working out
2: yeah there is quite a bit of that in this film where the music is really accentuating what we're seeing visually which of course all great films do oh my god i've gone into my fake defense of films again i'm not gonna do this <laughs> on this one because yes you I are do sincerely love it <laughs> but um yeah you're right it's very closely tied to what we're seeing
0: this entire opening segment here makes me feel incredibly inadequate in my physique, my physical strength, my package downstairs. This makes me feel bad off the, straight off the bat. I, I think I lie somewhere between the physical strength of Melvin and the port the lockdown portliness of the mayor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I've only seen you. We've We've never actually met in real life, Andy, not yet. Um, I've seen you across a room. All right. But every time that I've seen you online, you look the, uh, uh, an Adonis. An oh. Adonis. However you pronounce that word, I'm getting flustered even thinking about it. But don't you dare talk yourself down. I'm he's happy a pic- to think a-
0: that in your mind you have conflated my physique to that of some kind of Hercules when yes. in fact the truth is far more plasticine we'll see
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell if that we'll see was laced with uh, seduction or menace there it's,
2: uh, it's always a mixture of the two with me Mitch it's always a mixture uh, of the two I got um, my posing pouch
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Melvin then is the janitor here and I think mm. in fairness for as much as he does seem to be a kind of lovable oaf he is grossly incompetent <laughs>
2: I don't know. Like, he, he, the way he handles that mop is pretty good. I mean, sure, he is slightly awkward and mm. um, very clumsy, but in an adorable way.
0: I think there's different levels of clumsiness and awkwardness and kind of poor mop technique. And to be <laughs> honest, I think if you live
2: in Tromaville, you're kind of already a bit of a clown. Exactly. I mean, one thing that we should kind of mention right off the bat is that these are all extreme cartoon characters yes Yes. it is basically a mad magazine strip come to life so um everything is extreme so the clumsiness is extreme the bullies are ridiculously extreme a lot of people kind of criticize the film for the overacting and like bad acting and stuff but i think it's all pretty consistent like i don't think there's bad acting here i think everyone's doing exactly what they've been asked to do which mm. is to take it up to you know twenty three on the scale.
1: I agree. I think that I, I think that everyone's kind of singing from the same hymn sheet here. Also, it's not something I would criticise the film for, but it's it's something that in this and in a couple of the other kind of older trauma movies that I've seen is something that kind of jars with me. But it's just like to do with my specific sensibility. But it is something that kind of like sets my teeth on edge. You're so fucking tweed,
2: <laughs> Mitch. Do you have come back to that? <laughs> what, what, no, he's right. <laughs> Your silence says it all. I mean, look look who, we, look who we've got here, right?
0: We've got poor Melvin, right, who is a gardening monstrosity, right? He, he <laughs> might even have some kind of learning difficulties, I think. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum, kind of right in this initial scene, we've got Bozo, who is easily the best character in the film. He is...
2: I worry about him. Do you want to hear a Bozo fact? I'd love to hear a <laughs> Bozo fact. <laughs> Need uh, you ask. My Bozo fact is that Vincent D'Onofrio... Almost oh, yeah. played Bozo. <laughs> no way. He, yeah, he he asked for just a little bit too much money and was fired and replaced. So imagine what could have been. But yeah, I love I love. Uh, well, love is a strong word when it comes to Bozo, but there aren't many more extreme villains in film. Certainly not in
0: this film. But I mean, I, I think. Criticising trauma for this film being over the top is kind of a, a pointless thing to do because at, at least trauma yeah. are consistent in that approach across everything. Like there's no nuance to anything; it's all at yeah, least. the and I, I know Mitch that that kind of volume and that intensity is what you kind of have the problem with. With trauma films, and, and I totally get that. But I, I don't think it, it would be fair to criticize trauma for that because at least they're consistent.
1: I, I totally agree. I, I think, for as, for as much as, like I say, it's something that kind of pushes my buttons a little bit, if I am exposed to too much of it, I also wouldn't come back and be like, I would say here's something about this film that I don't necessarily like, but I wouldn't say here's something that it does wrong because it's what it's setting out to do. Sure. Yeah. M- Melvin kind of gets a rough ride here for a very minor indiscretion for uh, accidentally dipping his uh, custodial mop into a jacuzzi. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd be annoyed though, right? You'd
0: be annoyed, yeah. but a jacuzzi's I, I, like, pretty warm. Like it's it's extremely hot water. Like I think the the damage or the kind of potential for any germ transmission is greatly reduced by the frothing, almost boiling water. Um, so I, I'd be annoyed in so much as I, I wouldn't want the mop necessarily to touch me. But yeah, I, I
2: think it's again an overreaction. I mean, that's just pure logic. Yeah, you've turned me around on that. Fine, <laughs> throw a mop into my jacuzzi. See if I care.
1: Yeah, uh, I would say I would say that the, the couple of people that get mops to the face have got far more legitimate grievances than these four. But here we are anyway. <laughs> um, Wanda, Julie, Bozo, and Slug are our four. I would say like principal antagonists at least at this point.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, obviously, as this widens out to a citywide conspiracy um mm-hmm. a couple of other key players can enter the fray but at this point yeah it's pretty much it's pretty much these guys um i think it's interesting that slug and i want to say wanda yeah yeah break yep. after this to um have sex in the locker room at the gym which uh slug has apparently paid someone for the use of for the evening there must be if you have money to burn on places to go for uh amorous rendezvous, There must be better options than that.
2: Well, you know, remember these are teenagers. They can't just go to each other's houses. Can't go to a mate's house. And pretty much the whole of Tromaville outside of the health club is fucking disgusting. (laughs) So um, maybe it's literally the only clean venue they could find. Um, There is a fact about these two that I have a feeling that Andy will know. So I'm going to hand over to Andy for the next Toxic Avenger fact, Andy. Well, they no, Were they married? Correct. Yeah, it's another thing that kind of ties this film to *Garbage Pail Kids* the movie because obviously we had a couple on that set as well. Oh,
1: uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So can you imagine like the you know, like the the first like the how you met story was like the day <laughs> that you met you were filmed having weird grabby sex.
2: Or when we met, we were in a film that's gonna last until the end of time. Very um, true, yeah. With, with, with a with a thirty plus year enduring legacy. Yeah. It will never go away. It's it's always gonna be there, this film. Sam, this is why you're the storyteller and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just love defending stuff. It's fun. We kind of get the villainy
1: of these guys turned up to eleven at this point when we see the four of them out in the car just having a like a hit and run themed evening. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which apparently they have fairly regularly. Um, probably uh, uh, sling around a lot of racial slurs. Yeah.
2: Now that's very true like the the list of potential hit and run targets are obviously disturbing it's meant to underline that they're the worst villains ever you know not to skip ahead too much but one of them does masturbate over polaroids of dead children so i don't think subtlety was the aim here
1: yeah i mean uh, i think that's true i think again i think that that's something that like you know if if you if this is the kind of thing that is gonna kind of make you uneasy then you have come to the wrong place and you probably should have figured that out by now like i think yeah. this is cer- it's certainly a kind of like i leave your delicate sensibilities at the door or uh just don't come in Yeah, exactly. Do you know,
0: Mitch, thinking about it, right? I've just had a kind of flashback to when we did Street Trash. No, that yes. was a film that you seem to like a, a lot more certainly than your your texts to me about the Toxic Avenger would indicate that you enjoyed this.
1: I think that you're misremembering about Street Trash.
0: Oh, am I? <laughs> is it just because I really uh, like Street Trash? I assume uh, everyone does.
1: Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't dislike Street Trash, but um, it unseats me in the same way that this does.
2: Okay, apologies. And, and o- obviously, they both have shared actor. The guy who plays the mayor in this is in Street mm-hmm. Trash as well. Guess who else loves street trash, Andy? This guy. Me. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, but Hey, that's all right. That's all right. I
1: feel like I'm the one that should be apologizing. Um, A small child on a bike is hit here and then backed up over again.
2: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I, and I, I think Andy might share this just from hearing him chuckle. I find this genuinely funny. That makes me a sicko. But in a kind of Chris Morris jam kind of way. The moment where the kid realises that they're coming back to run him over again. I'm laughing even now. Uh, And the little noise he makes, it just, it genuinely makes me laugh every time. It's just so, so bleak. And I have a very dark sense of humour, so, yeah. Yeah. Guys, (laughs) Guys, right? <laughs> got very quiet. <laughs> no,
1: um, uh, no. I was actually going to say, like, against my better judgment, I do agree with you. Actually, like, because, um, yes. like, I, I think, that, like, I think that I think that the thing about it that I find particularly amusing is the first time that the child on the bike is hit with the car. Yes. Um, that it's a very labour-intensive stunt. It's very over-the-top looking, and uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to admit that I did, I did, I did laugh quite like, aloud when it happened. You mentioned
0: stunts, there, Mitch. This film's absolutely chalk a block with impressive stunts that belie any budget the film might have had. And, And to me, it's just that real fuck it, let's do it approach that I just love. But some of the stuff is amazing. The fight stuff, the car stuff later on is just excellent.
2: Yeah, there's a, I mean, we'll get onto it probably, but yeah, that whole car chase. I I mean, I don't think many safety standards were adhered to on this production. I might be wrong, but what they get in the can is absolutely incredible for, you know, the budget that they were playing with. One last thing on the kid being run over. (laughs) <laughs> the bit where the sister gives him his helmet and waves him away is um, very funny on a second or you know 50th watch. Once you know what's going to happen to him, it, it's very funny. Mm, that helmet is also far too big for his head, Like regardless of what was happening, it was fucked. Like, yeah. Magnificent. And this is all within the first 10 minutes of the film.
1: Um, yeah, it does get a lot in there. I also like yeah. the fact that after they've killed this one child, Bozo's evidently bitten by the bog and wants to go after another child. But
2: at this point, Slug draws a line because he's got to go home early night he's got church and why does he have to exactly he's got church in the morning so it ends on a beautiful piece of social satire um, yeah i fucking knew you were gonna say that
1: <laughs> um i think that i don't want to spoil it exactly how my opinion on this plays out but i genuinely think that like andy you were saying that about the stunts and kind of about the fact that like some of these some of the set pieces in terms of the actual physical stuff that's going on is um, really pretty ambitious and I would say that as the film moves kind of like after after the film's kind of like laid its groundwork story-wise that's the part of the film that I find the hardest work I think that as it widens out into kind of more frequent set pieces and fights and stuff like that is kind of like where I start to get a little bit more on board
2: that's interesting
1: but we can we can get into that as it arises um, funny set piece next when the gymnastics instructor gets a snake put down his shirt and then um <laughs>
2: Everyone's trying to copy him and they all start rolling around on the floor en masse. like this quite a bit. And again, that is a scene that could have appeared in one of their comedy films. It's just a genuinely funny idea. And, you know, lots of interesting characters are in that class.
1: However, we're kind of getting to the point where this is about to shift gears in a very significant way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stakes are gonna the the stakes are gonna shoot up in a sec because it's time for kind of like Melvin's kind of transformative moment.
0: Right before this, right? There's a bit where let's say a kind of group of bullies, right? This this kind of awful screeching mob that for some reason just absolutely hate Melvin, uh, and Melvin mm. knows that they hate him, right? And they're, they're playing like I don't know, would you call it squash, racquetball? Does that is that the same sport? Uh, I like, think so. Yeah. <laughs> there seems to be to me anyway an element of. Melvin baiting these people, whether he's meaning it or not, like, if it was me, I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to give these guys a wide berth, because it's quite clear that we're on different levels here, we're never going to see IEI, or we're never going to be friends, but there's a moment where they're, they're like, playing squash, and they turn round, and he's literally got his face pressed against the glass, like, gunning at them.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, like, one of the things that I really love about Troma is that it's outsider art, right, so... Mm -hmm. It's a place where the kind of weirdos and the freaks go and it's a place where they belong. Yeah. And I think part of Melvin's arc is he wants to belong with the cool kids, even though, as you rightly point out, he has absolutely no chance. But I just think it's the journey that goes on where he becomes such an extreme weirdo and finds love with another slightly odd character. It's one of the things I find beautiful about oh. this film, that journey. But um, yeah, we'll get into that.
1: Well, I mean, I think we kind of get into that to an extent, kind of right now, because yeah. the,
2: cause part of the kind of the, the drive
1: of this prank that they play on him is kind of the fact that they're kind of preying on the notion that he will kind of jump at the chance to hang out with these people or belong because he's baited into the girls' locker room by
2: Julie. Yep. yep. Who changes her outfit at least five times in this whole sequence. <laughs> she's wearing one thing for squash. She's wearing... Anyway. Go on, Mitch. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically the upshot of this and kind of
1: uh Dewey's deceptions is that uh, he ends up kissing a sheep in a dark room while dressed as a ballerina.
2: Yep, and apparently that sheep had lice in yeah. real life and mm. um no one was told. But it's a it's a wonderful reveal. It is a wow. wonderful reveal.
0: Um it's not just a sheep, the sheep is wearing a bikini, a wig, and lipstick. <laughs> Personally, I would have really liked to have seen Melvin with lipstick smeared all across his face. That would have
1: really, I mean, this tickles me anyway, but that would have been quite funny. This film cannot carry a disclaimer at the end of it saying no animals were glowed up in this film. Even more than um, disclaimer
0: at the end of your film saying that everyone wants a to see an attractive looking animal, and I'll be honest, this is one of the the sexiest sheep I've ever laid eyes on. Until I know about the, the lice, but you could say that about a lot of people I've been around in my life.
1: <laughs> d- d- does that nudge the sheep into like the periphery of the top five sexiest sheep that you've ever seen in your life? Well, I can't. I'm I'm at
0: a loss to think of a hotter one. <laughs> <laughs> even even with the Bravo
1: box in your room, even with the Bravo box in my room, there like, wasn't that kind of palm. <laughs> I tell, tell you, Sam, you had to stay up pretty fucking late for that fifteen-minute preview. <laughs> you got to start
0: pulling in signals from like mainland Europe and all that.
1: That's that was beyond my tech savvy. Um, he throws himself out of a window here as part of his fleeing the scene. This is horrible, actually. Um,
0: the way they, the, the, its not just the kind of four bullies here, but. Uh, the way that everyone kind of pushes him around and jostles him and like really chases him down, is this is quite, quite an unpleasant watch at this point.
2: Yeah, it's kind of elements of horror and everything so extreme and surreal. Yeah, I don't know if that sequence was intended to be funny or scary actually, but it is certainly unnerving. Mm. I think there's there's quite a, there's quite a few instances of like the like elevated cruelty in this that I think yeah. are really
1: horrible, like really like really uncomfortable viewing. I think, but yeah, this is definitely one of them. He lands uh, after he after he jumps out the window. He lands in a vat of toxic waste, falls out of the vat of toxic waste, rolls around on the ground, starts mutating horribly. Uh, which uh, Bozo reckons is him faking it.
0: Bozo implies that uh, as a result of all this and uh, what he perceives to be Melvin's overreaction here is that it's nothing more than Melvin being unable to take a joke.
2: It's brilliant. You you had a. a- A a change to the sheep scene and in my kind of only change would be that i wish they'd have gotten out their cameras and started taking pictures of him as he's rolling around on the floor sure um but i guess if they also think he's faking it then uh they wouldn't you know get their rocks off to that so um yeah i gotta give a special mention to something that is
1: like blinking you'll miss it here but i think it's absolutely hilarious see when the police arrive on the scene and try Mm -hmm. to help him up and the guy reaches for his hand and his two hands just immediately catch on fire yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it was about that that really took my boxes but um, it did and I think that like there's a, there's a few things like that just kind of like really funny ideas and visuals that are just kind of in and out in
2: seconds again probably very dangerous but worth it for what they got on the camera I, I, I love that moment too Mitch
0: yeah, and from and yeah. from one impressive burn stunt into another one, which is a, a full body bomb yeah. that lasts forever.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good.
1: Yep, like, like no arguments there. Um, he heads home, obviously, to cool off in the bath at this point, which is understandable. His mum is worried about him at this point. You hear him knocking on the door and kind of asking if he's all right. I am finding, and I don't know if anybody else gets this, but see, as you age, do you not find, like, see with, like, things like this, do you not find yourself sympathising with parent characters increasingly as you get older?
2: Um, no.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no me neither. S- certainly not in this film because the mum's such a small character that I don't really give a second see, thought
1: to her. See, I was just like, when, when he was like screaming in the bathroom and she was knocking on, being like, you're all right, I was like, she must be worried, sick,
2: poor woman. The reason I just took quite a long time to think about that was it, I think, much like Andy's Bravo box, I think that give some insight into your personality mitch i think that andy and i are the are the bad lads and you just you know you just want to look after us didn't you yeah i just want to i just want what's best for you boys (laughs) 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 and what's best for me is the amazing bathroom transformation scene so intense a full year before a similar scene in teen wolf (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Uh, which is another fantastic movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just love this bathroom transformation. I think the effects work is great and it's genuinely almost Cronenbergian body horror. Andy, this is very much uh, hurtling towards your
1: wheelhouse here.
0: It very much is, Mitch. Uh, I don't want to say that the, this film necessarily steered me towards the kind of films that I like, but it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. there's absolutely. If you're, if you're like me and you like sticky, gross stuff. There's a lot to love in this. Mm. It makes me think of a mermaid in a manhole. The guinea pig film. I haven't actually seen it, but tell us about it. Um, it's essentially an an artist finds this mermaid, takes her home, chucks her in the bath, and uh, she starts to like essentially rot away in this bath, pustules growing on her and stuff. And the guy uses all this different coloured pus to paint her or to do a painting. Oh wow! Um, and then he, as with any good guinea pig film, chops her the fuck up.
1: Oh, happy ending. Uh, Christ. Yeah, you love okay. to see it. <laughs> next up, we meet some. I didn't know what to write in my notes for how to describe the like ragtag bunch of three people that we meet next, and I feel like I probably got it slightly wrong. My description of choice for the three uh, criminals that we meet here was a cartoonishly
2: villainous street toughs.
0: Yep. Mm, I, think I think who think you're. Fair. Yeah, I think who you're referring to there, Mitch, are cigar faced knuckles and nipples. <laughs>
2: that's correct apparently again you know i wasn't there so i don't know but i have read that uh lloyd kaufman came up with the name cigar face when he saw the actor smoking a cigar on the day of the shoot and so all of that stuff around the cigar is semi-improvised oh that's kind of cool yeah um so
1: these three cigar face knuckles and nipples are the less successful follow-up to gypsies tramps and thieves um, <laughs> Try Idiot to bribe a uh, policeman. Is it O'Clancy? No, <laughs> yeah. He resists. Uh, he's a man of honour. So instead, they beat him up, and we find out why Cigar Face is called Cigar Face. It is exactly why you think it is. Yeah,
2: he-, he likes putting
1: cigars on faces. Yep, he's that guy. But if you were thinking, if only a horrible mutated vigilante could show up and save the day, we've got good news for you. (laughs) Yeah, um, the policeman coming within seconds of meeting a particularly sticky end. Absolutely. yeah, Um, yeah. And this is obviously the first look that we get of um, Melvin kind of in attack mode as the toxic Avenger. And it didn't dawn on me until much further into the film where you see his face up close for the first time, how long it takes before the film gives you a proper good look at him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's a big reveal when it happens. And yeah, it's choreographed and and staged around keeping him as hidden as possible while still showing the kind of brutal action. And it's obviously very cartoony as well. Um, But yeah, it's a cool sequence. I like it.
0: Sam, there is nothing cartoony about an oversized man with a melted face using an other man's scrotum as a speed bottle. (laughs)
2: Oh yeah, you're right. What was I thinking? Yeah, this is uh, this pure realism. This is a documentary, Mitch. I was yeah. It's, it's 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 a jarring reaction to the
1: hyper reality of the rest of the film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that man's scrotum gets worked over hard. Uh, and then it, 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 this is the first time we really see that he hasn't quite let go of the mop yet, and he he uses the mop as a kind of calling card.
1: Yeah, I had this I had this written
2: down as a custodial callback. Right, sure. And remember, this was. You know, when comic book movies hadn't really happened, like you had Superman, but that was kind of about it. So to kind of create a cinematic superhero with his own iconic tools and um, Mm. characteristics and stuff, it's pretty impressive.
0: In many ways more impressive, because Superman, you had a wealth of backstory, you had years and years, you had like already like somewhere 40
2: odd years of character development and in this it's just one guy's vision it's such a melting pot of loads of different influences like loads of b-movie stuff in there and almost like universal monsters as well there's something quite tragic about toxi there's something kind of frankenstein about him certainly in the kind of relationship he has with the blind woman that we'll get onto in a bit <laughs> very mm-hmm. very shortly in fact but i i just find that kind of mix of what was then considered disposable culture so comic books were thrown away and b-movies came and went you know they weren't released on blu-ray by companies like arrow so yeah it's all this kind of trash culture that's culminated in this trash hero that has Survived the test of time and that's another thing that i sincerely find very moving about this whole affair
1: we also find out in the sequence that uh, one of the superpowers that the toxic waste has given him is that he can speak only in voiceover
2: <laughs> i love toxi's voice and i hope there's going to be no criticism of it because i find it very very soothing and in fact a lot of my podcast persona has been deeply influenced by toxi so um i love his voice i could listen to it all night
1: I did not expect his voice to be quite so velvety smooth when when you hear him talk for the first time. yeah, It's it's surprisingly soothing, I would say. It belies his grotesque appearance.
0: You could say the same for Swamp Thing. He has a very similar soft voice to Swamp Thing.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's true, actually. Probably another massive key influence.
1: At this point, the cop relays his story in the police station, which is full of doctors, journalists, miscellaneous medical professionals and hardly any police.
2: Yes, rightly so.
0: Seems unusual that the press conference would take place while this guy has been patched
1: up. (laughs) You know, what? like time waits for no man here.
2: I mean, it's only the biggest story of the decade that a mutated man is going around beating people up with, well, not with a mop at, at this point, but certainly holding one. As a journalist, you know, as someone who is trained as a journalist, I would be right on that scene to interview that man
1: i would say that's fair yeah if, you, if, if you're a true like chaser of the scoop then exactly. you gotta be this is you front page
2: be. news in trimaville surely
1: yeah, yeah i mean there's only fifteen thousand people there it's got to be <laughs> um well it's front uh, page
0: news because you see many many spinning newspapers
1: yes you do uh, um yeah there's a couple of times where i really like the fact that like just in case the montage itself isn't letting you know what's going on enough is kind of interspersed with like this furious barrage of spinning newspapers
2: <laughs> yeah i love a spinning newspaper
1: uh, yes, yeah, same actually. However, it is time to find out what the pencil pushers at City Hall think of all this. We are off to the mayor's <laughs> office. Um, They're not I... pencil pushers, Mitch. They're drug pushers. Oh, so, like this? You know what? I'm so naive. I do think it's funny in this instance where obviously we meet the mayor here, Mayor Belgedy but also um, a police chief who says that the whole city is a suspect which I think is actually probably quite a poorly informed perspective given that he's suggesting that this city and its population collectively fit the profile of a horribly disfigured seven foot death machine
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's that's very astute. The city does appear to be 98% utter bastard so Uh You know, they've all got violence in them. (laughs) So, uh, Melvin goes to see his mother at this point.
1: She's understandably distressed at his appearance. Needless to say, I find this absolutely heartbreaking. Cast out, he then, like, sets about building a home for himself at the uh, waste dump. This is legitimately very sad, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I I mean, perhaps because it wasn't my first viewing, and I can't remember feeling sad about this in my first viewing, (laughs) but I I find the junkyard a place of great joy, (laughs) <laughs> um so i'm glad that he's there i'm yeah. always happy when he gets there not least because the production design in the junkyard is fantastic yeah. i love everything about it but i know that that's the place where he's going to have some of his happiest moments so i'm kind of all right about it how do you feel andy
0: i love it this is his fortress of solitude there's
2: actually a scene very similar yes. to this
0: and uh and big just after josh becomes big and he goes and tries to speak to his mum and I don't know she just assumes he's some kind of mad rapist in the house and then he kind of has to wander the streets alone and go and stay in this kind of flop house shitbag hotel
2: yeah holy shit yeah I've never connected those two films in my mind but they're both films that as you can imagine I watched over and over again when I was growing up so yeah I love that and that's interesting, Sam, because it's not in your nature at all to make, uh, to, uh,
1: to make weird comparisons. I mean, that is not a weird comparison, Mitch. That is a perfect synergy. It's a, ve- it's a very astute comparison. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. We get another kind of trio of villains who are around long enough to cause trouble, then die here <laughs> um, at a diner. I think that the set of villains that you get here, they take my boxes more as villains than uh, cigar knuckles and nipples. Oh,
2: that's interesting. Why
1: is that? I think that you see them interacting with the environment and with a lot more people. Sure. And I feel like the setup takes a bit longer. Um, It takes a bit longer to get to the actual kind of carnage. And I don't know. I think that there's slightly more of a build to this. Um, And it is super unpleasant when it kicks in. But yeah, I think that that this in general is a better intro sequence to villains than uh, the the
2: three that we met before. It's better lit. You know, the the other sequence takes place at night. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to see a lot of stuff especially if you're watching it on like a grainy VHS or whatever. There's kind of a bit more build-up, there's a lot more threat, there's more innocent people who are having guns pointed at them. I always feel for the, the child that's crying in this scene, because I'm not entirely sure they're aware that it's they're in a film. Uh, it seems very, very real. The costumes, better. Um, Agreed. Yep. The guy with the pump-action shotgun looks amazing, I love his look. And uh, I always like the fact that they hired uh, an actor who had had an arm amputated yep. and so throughout the whole thing you can see the false arm kind of hanging down and they did that so that they could uh, tear that arm off as realistically as possible, which is a very cool effect. I love mm-hmm. this scene. I love the moment where the dog gets shot. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh-huh. Please, please don't take that quote out of context. Um, because it, it, it is the most complained about shot or sequence uh, in a trauma movie at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that. People were really upset by this, but I just find the way it slides across the ground really, really funny. Same. Good. I feel
1: like I've come in with a couple of things that I've said here that have kind of paid me to have very delicate sensibilities, but I do laugh at the same weird stuff that you do, do
2: you? Sometimes. You do, yeah.
1: You know, I'm cool, guys. You're cool i've always thought you're cool andy you've gone really quiet he's cool until you see his shoes
0: and then it's like huh, he's chosen to wear brogues with that outfit
1: i, I have previously described my life as being white noise broken up with strange footwear decisions Um, So that's a a very astute observation Andy I'm not going to put up any amount of a fight against that observation You're very very right What I would say also uh, Because let's say uh, Sam We do see a decent amount of fairly unpleasant shit going on here Someone's guide dog is killed uh, Namely a blind woman called Sarah Who we will come to get to know a little bit more (laughs) There is an attempted sexual assault That is averted by the arrival of Melvin slash Toxie what I would say also here is that the kills are more imaginative in a fairly significant way, but also the actual fight itself is far less one-sided. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, there's also much you forgot to mention a have a go hero who's blown away in dramatic fashion.
2: Oh. Yeah,
1: that's right. This is see. This is this is this is a much better set piece in my estimation.
2: Yeah, that bit is so good, and I love his girlfriend's reaction when he gets blown away. Maybe it's just that by this point in the film, you've kind of become inured to it is that the right word like inoculated like it's played at such a high level everything is such a high pitch that if you haven't gotten on board with it by this point then you've probably given up on the film i don't know i just i find it all quite weirdly cathartic it's kind of like primal (laughs) scream therapy watching this film i love it (laughs) who wants to talk about
1: the deaths of of our of our three here
0: uh, I'll mention Andy, I'll, yeah, I'll mention some of them so uh, Toxie rips a guy's arm off then uses it as a cudgel then there's an extended martial arts fight that takes place involving nunchucks and samurai swords weird that samurai swords would be on the wall of a Mexican restaurant which was actually called the Mexican <laughs> Place, that wasn't like that was the name of the restaurant, it wasn't just like some made up chain like central perk that they put in it, that was an actual restaurant with a stupid name uh, yeah then Toxie Grabs a guy, turns him into a sundae and kills yep. him with a milkshake blender. Uh, he then fr- yeah, uh, fries a guy's hands off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is all great. Yeah, exactly. Like, all varied. I particularly enjoy the, the frying the hands um, <laughs> sequence. It's very brutal. It's just that weird amalgamation of, like we've said over and over again in this episode, the kind of cartoony stuff. So... The way that Toxie bends the the metal like bars around him, like it's Popeye or something, and like you get that kind of bending metal sound effect that you hear in cartoons, and then we immediately go into someone who is in extreme pain because they're they're getting their their fingers boiled like chips. And yeah, let's not forget, just, he also puts a man in a pizza great. oven. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah.
1: Sarah, the, uh, the blind woman here yes. who uh, is rescued by Toxie, becomes a, becomes a main player here. What I do think is kind of funny at the end of the sequence when he rescues her is that the direction here is obviously you are blind, therefore you can't see. Because she just, like, regardless of the fact that, like, she could respond to his voice, she could look in his general direction. Mm-hmm. But while he's talking to her, she just looks stricken off in the opposite direction the entire yeah. time.
0: <laughs> There's a lot it's, of great slapstick very,
1: blind stuff. Yeah. Is it great... <laughs> Yes. Yes, that's great. It's great.
0: Yes. There's a comment like, oh, you should have used one of your sticks to help you. And she's got like 400 blind sticks and they all like fall over, crash them down.
1: Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. When they go back to her place, there's a rapid succession of blind people jokes.
2: Yeah. Sarah is one of my favourite movie characters of all time. I love... Okay. I love, Bold. What she, I love what she brings to this movie. I love the relationship with Toxie. Sometimes casting meets a part and you create a character that is just so likable for no apparent reason. Like mm. there is just something so lovable and likable about Sarah. And mm. um, it's it's the performance, but you know, I know it's silly and all the rest of it. And you're exactly right, Mitch. You know, she it, it's a parody performance, but it's a parody performance with genuine heart. I think. Like yeah, there's, there's nothing n- nasty about it. Yeah, there's a network kindness
1: to the character. I think as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That is obviously kind of like very much missing from a lot of the other, like almost everyone else in the film. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Some... And
2: the bit where she grabs his dick <laughs>
1: is very funny. And when she reads his giant palm and predicts a bright future. <laughs> that stuff's all the
0: kind of comedy stuff. But there's there's some, especially the second time we see them together at the, at the house. There's some genuinely lovely, touching moments when they're just like drinking together and they're just goofing off and dancing together. All that stuff's really lovely.
2: Yeah, I, I love the romantic montage. So, let's see how it works. The song Is This Love? I want that played as the first song at my wedding. Wow. Mitch and Andy, um Which probably explains why my wedding is not forthcoming um, <laughs> and why I'm single. But, um, <laughs> Sam, there's just a few pieces missing from that puzzle. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it's just all very beautiful.
1: Yes, it is. I would be inclined. I actually I, I think that like the stuff that you see of them, oh, like you say, when, it kind of, like, when this film kind of takes a break from some of the kind of bombast and gives you this insight into their relationship kind of flourishing, it is very sweet, I think. Mm. I also really like the wisecracking police who all have mouths full of food who <laughs> investigate the scene at the diner.
2: Yeah, just a, a very terrible police force in, in Tromaville. Fun, cliched stuff. Yep, I would
1: agree. However, um, one of my favourite uh, short-term walk-on characters here, off to the police station where nondescriptly Bavarian expert Merton Snudberger <laughs> concludes that Toxie is a rampaging beast with its evil-destroying impulse that manifests itself with this like relentless bloodlust towards unlikable characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, probably not necessary. We could have worked that out for ourselves, but... Very, very fun. It is the sort of thing that you'd have in a comic—a character popping up like that to provide a bit of backstory. But yeah, um,
1: you are onto something, I think, when you say as well, though, that like um,
2: this this expert who has
1: obviously been jetted in, presumably from circa Germany, to impart all this knowledge, is not
2: telling us anything that we don't already know. No, but you know, these German psychoanalysts—they know what they're talking about. Mm. If somebody offers you American snud burger, you don't say no.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I
0: I can get you (laughs) Snudburger.
1: I quite like the full circle element of uh, Melvin next marauding back to the gym, the scene of so many of his torments. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, amazing. There's some great stuff in here.
1: Yeah, I did notice in the melee that it seems like Melvin has been replaced at the gym by his exact double.
0: Well, no, he was there earlier as well. You see him, he gets uh, dragged off a, a kind of weight machine by his hair. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Okay, is that that
0: guy? Yeah, you could be mistaken for thinking that that is
1: Melvin. They just do look very similar. I think I did. I I, I know, I actually now you say it. I remember seeing that guy and I think I did just think it was Melvin.
2: Yeah, and it's uh like you say it's it's a cool sequence and interestingly the shot that we talked about earlier the unnerving shot where he's going through all the bullies a lot of that is pov and obviously this is pov as well so it's kind of it's like poetry it rhymes
1: There's a guy who seems to be like an associate or an assistant to the mayor here who meets a sticky
2: end and does not seem to have done a massive amount wrong.
0: It's fundamental evil, though, Mitch. That's what Toxie's
1: drawn to. Yeah, right. Maybe, okay.
2: Maybe that's why we did need the explanation because you're right. You know, in the grand scheme of things, compared, he didn't shoot a dog, did he? he didn't. No. You know. Like
1: the the guy the guy who gets the kinda like what's effectively for this purpose is like a weighted spike through his face, I think is probably one of the kind of more obvious like collateral damage things. It's kinda the opposite of cut off the head and the body'll die. But drugs are bad, so um you know. Mm. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, um but he's very much a red shirt, I think, in terms of like uh, his <laughs> expendability. Yeah. An important it's message as well effect there, effect there effect Sam, effect. thank you. Yeah, always, always. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> he's just always always landed on the PSAs. <laughs> And it does take until, because I did mention earlier that um, we wait a long time to get a kind of a closer look at Toxie himself. And I would say that it's only when he walks in on Wanda in the sauna here that you really see a a proper kind of like
2: forensic visual of his face. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And um, it's kind of a callback to the Elephant Man moment from earlier. So there's a David Lynch reference in there, which I quite like. I don't know what the logic of holding back on it for this long was. Maybe it's just simple budget stuff and it's an expensive effect to do, like the full makeup on the face. But it looks great, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't have much problem with it.
2: Yeah, agreed. And this is the last time,
0: actually, where it'll look this good. Yeah. yeah. The makeup's not this strong in the sequels.
2: It's certainly not consistent, but, yeah, I mean, I kind of like all the different stages, but in terms of its, like, manoeuvrability this is definitely as good as it gets
1: uh, Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, he also just kind of shortly after this rescues a girl who's apparently about to be sold into prostitution um, and uh, fights what I have written down as some more miscellaneous crime
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, she was promised David Bowie and this isn't David Bowie. So that's <laughs> certainly true. And uh, this is a point where we
0: get a kind of toxic good guy montage where we see him just basically going around the neighbourhood doing kind of altruistic deeds saving kids who were also about to be smushed by Bozo and Slug uh, he's kind of opening jars and like i, I don't know cat, getting cats from trees and stuff like that like he's this is when we see Toxie truly being the good guy we know him to be
2: the friendly neighborhood toxie
1: yeah, I think,
2: see, oh, you just
1: touched on it there Andy, but see, see like during that montage, see the bit where he actually just like appears at that woman's kitchen window, leans in and unscrews the lid from the jar and just hands it back to her and fucks off. I love that, it's so funny. Yeah, when,
0: it's fantastic. When he unscrews her jar, the, pop, like the corn kernels that are in there that will soon become popcorn, when he hands her the jar back, I think it's maybe because he's so toxic and his hands are so toxic, but all the kernels have popped into corn, like popcorn.
2: Ah, I yes. didn't notice that. Yes, it's great. I don't so think I know his first watch either, but yeah, it's definitely there. During
1: this montage, this kind of altruism montage, it's also the newspaper montage that I mentioned earlier. Sure. Um, so he's obviously developing a name for himself as this pillar of the community. Um, Dolan out by turns, it seems, kind of like everyday do goodry and vigilante
2: justice. Yeah, the monster hero, basically. Because obviously in the film, he's never called Toxic Avenger. He's no. always the monster hero. Yeah, he, he builds up a lot of goodwill over this period. Um,
1: which uh, I guess is why uh, the mayor and his cronies are understandably concerned that they're
2: going to be next in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, rightly so. I'm surprised they're not the first ones to get got. They are the purest evil in all of Tromaville.
1: Yeah, because there's not a bill.
2: It's not like he starts off with uh, petty
1: felons and works his way up
0: does seem to me however though that there is an element of vengeance involved in this because he does very quickly move to destroy the four people who made him the way he is
1: i did write that down yeah like I, for, for, for as much as a lot of it is just what would become kind of in films and comics i guess also like a classic superhero kind of like morality driven crime fighting there is a decent amount of
2: spite in there as well <laughs> yeah he's kind of a mixture of spider-man and the punisher um, <laughs> basically uh, which uh, are two characters that I like, so yeah, yeah very me happy too. I'm I'm happy to gloss over Toxie's
0: thrusting ass. By the way, I don't know if we need fair to enough. Talk happy about with it. Toxie having sex. <laughs> no,
2: I don't,
1: I, 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 I don't think I don't think we need to give that uh, a massive about in the very time. What I do think <laughs> is um is funny is that she she comes to his uh, his house at the dump mm-hmm. and helps him fix it up, and it does look great when it's done. In fairness. I did think I was like that's a very nice gesture, but doesn't she also have a perfectly good house they could live in
2: yeah that's that is that's an excellent point, yeah. um i've got nothing i've got nothing i mean at this
0: stage in the game you're not moving your hideous monster boyfriend into your house because he is still the most sought after character in the city by the law by scientists by criminals everybody wants a bit of him people are still a bit weirded out when they look at him which is kind of understandable because he's he's something to behold he's he's a bit like a dirty version of sloth
2: Sure. Um, mm-hmm. so you don't want to be, be moving them in willy nilly I mean my counter argument there would be where would be the first place I'd go to look for Toxie would it be a nice lovely house owned by a blind woman or would it be mm. the dump where all the toxic waste is or a lot of toxic waste is I think that he could find a better place to hide and I think it's her house and I think Mitch you've, you've raised something important here I don't think that the notion that she knows that he has
1: uh, is this kind of sought-after character necessarily stands up to scrutiny because he outs himself as being that to her later, and she seems surprised by it.
2: Oh yeah, that's a good point. It
1: would be okay
0: if she actually thinking about it if she moved him into her house because, as we see quite soon, he's he's got a pretty nifty line in disguise.
1: <laughs> sure does i kind of i kind of want to get there um but as you mentioned dandy he goes after julie briefly at this point i got some elm street vibes about the chase here just because of the setting okay Mm -hmm. bozo continues to lose his mind over fuck all all the time (laughs) so he, he and Slug steal a car from an old woman because one thing that and i'm assuming that this is a recurring trait in these films but like um a kind of like easy three points in terms of painting that people are bad people is that this film visits a lot of misfortune on very weak people yeah yeah and like, yeah. that's, kind of like, that's kind of like your, your kind of cladding call that this person isn't just a bastard. They're a turbo bastard.
2: Exactly. And during the, the old lady kind of beating scene, there is a very brief bit of singing um, which kind of links the film to, or certainly reminds me of A Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, obviously another great gang film. And I think we should have gotten a, you know, we've talked about Batman versus Superman, but we should have had Toxie versus the Droogs Um, I would have paid good money to see that Um, (laughs) the universes aren't too far apart but yeah we're, we're constantly being told how horrific these people are just in case you've forgotten because of course the more evil they are the greater the catharsis when they get taken out and uh it it, it certainly leads to a great set piece we we talked about it already the car chase scene it's it's fucking amazing
1: yeah it really is uh, it really is something else melvin or Toxie interge- uh, intervenes immediately throws slug out of the car and kind of even though it's bozo that's driving the car kind of takes bozo for a ride um i do think it's funny that while Toxie is trying to exact some like serious moralizing on bozo here a lot of people are put in very immediate danger by the fact that <laughs> bozo can't keep his eyes on the road <laughs>
0: I don't know if any more people are in danger in this moment than any other time. Bozo's behind the wheel.
1: I guess that's true. I, guess, you know what, you've got a point there. Actually, it's like it's not like he would have been driving very carefully. Were this not like were this not the
2: situation, more people would have died. A hundred percent, more people would have died.
1: Okay, you know what? Like you know what? I, I, I got a win a minute ago. I'm gonna concede on that one. I'm gonna concede on that point.
0: But yeah, there's some fucking great stuff here. Cars are flipping. Those explosions. Yeah. Like cars are crashing into stuff. It, it's fucking unbelievable. It's again, it's just like way more than this film should have been able to cram into it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Particularly like the explosion, but every element of this is just uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I like um uh, just kind of talking about stunts. Uh, the guy that's up the ladder. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And gets a ladder knocked out from under him. I think that's I think that's great. But yeah, I I like again I, I like this whole thing actually. I also think that there's a really good misdirect coming up. Go on when. He, you see this, uh, this exchange in a laundromat where Toxie goes in and kills this woman who just, on the face of it, seems to be this weird lady, and it does kind of it gives you that long enough for you to kind of think that it's this U-turn of his towards just kind of motiveless bloodshed as opposed to the kind of crime fighting that he had been doing, yeah, and it kind of it lets you think that for long enough for it to bed in and start to sell you on the idea that he's kind of flipped his mentality and then obviously it takes until the mayor is about to take questions from the press and he's going to try and obviously turn public opinion against him but it's at that point we find out that um the apparently innocent old woman who got killed in the laundromat uh, um, in a very elaborate way uh, actually was the
2: extremely unlikely head of an international human trafficking ring <laughs> <laughs> he just senses it he senses mm. it no you're right it's it's a very kind of condensed arc <laughs> Um, right at the end here, but I'm glad that they're just throwing as many ideas into this as possible. It's great.
1: Yeah, and like, and like I said, I think that that, that that doesn't feel like something that was thrown in for the hell of it. I think that no. like that does, a, that does a, a kind of good job of uh, just leading you one way, even if it's just for a sec.
2: Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. I, I guess my point isn't that they're kind of throwing everything at the wall, seeing what sticks. It's more that they care about the audience enough to keep adding, even in the third act, because it's kind of an unusual place to kind of plant this twist. So yeah, you're right, it's very cool. The police are out to find him and kill him at this point by order of the mayor.
1: It's a wanted dead or alive, preferably dead situation, which feels harsh, but also from a strictly justice system perspective, he has killed a lot of people. Yeah.
0: You're such a bureaucrat, Mitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He outs himself to Sarah as being his hero but basically also feels like he's losing control of his impulses he says that they need to get away go somewhere full of rolling fields where there's nobody around for him to kill and they decant to a campsite which everyone finds immediately
2: yeah i mean the campsite is a worse hiding place than the dump agreed Um, yes yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i love the
1: fact that um when they find him and we're kind of pulling in towards the final standoff The final standoff ends up being the mayor, the police and the National Guard Mm -hmm. and the entire population of Tromaville who have just in the last like five to 10 minutes put together this entire civil uprising to protect him.
2: Yeah, complete with T-shirts. It's, it's, you know, marketing genius. the, The whole thing, like genuinely is marketing genius. The way that, as we talked about earlier, they kind of spun out Toxie and turned him into this iconic horror movie monster. And it's that premise is built into the film itself it's glorious i like this quite a bit actually i, I must. Admit, I, I, I like where this goes ultimately yeah. in
1: general everybody kind of rallies out well, along with them to try and protect him including the police and the national guard are eventually spoken around they're moved to insubordination by this mass display of civil disobedience which is lovely
0: i don't yeah. think it's civil disobedience much i think it's a grassroots movement motivated by what we've already discussed are incredibly altruistic actions from this creature who owes these people nothing they've been nothing but horrible to him his whole life but he is now their savior and for better or worse they're better for
2: having him and the crowd goes wild i love that yeah that's great
0: it's like a less twee bit of that bit in spider-man 2 you know where uh every, exactly. all the new yorkers kind of rise up and they're like he's a new yorker not in our town but, uh, no, that I, I don't know what that accent was apologies to <laughs> everyone in new york because that was fucking shameful but uh, um it's
1: it's like that it's just less cringy it's more yeah. it's more believable i do like the fact though that this triumphant moment is punctured by the fact that he does still disembowel the mirror with his bare
2: hands though yeah and and everyone's fine with it like <laughs> it, in fact it's a bit of a oh you it's that kind of response <laughs> um yeah so, what is it what's he say take them uh, away boys or something what's it what's the line uh, d- 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 so first off he says
1: uh let's see if you have any guts or something yes. similar to that and then i think he says deal with this piece of toxic waste
2: yes oh yeah of course it, it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i believe that that is his um his kiss offline and actually the, the kiss offline of dialogue i believe in the whole film because at this point we are assured
2: that he'll continue to fight crime in tromaville yeah well what i kind of love about this ending is um it, it's the a-team thing of
0: that's exactly yeah. what i was going to say
2: yeah it, it so is though isn't it it's you know if you need help and if you can find him maybe toxie will will come to your aid and genuinely I'm not being facetious I went for a period where this ending would make me feel very emotional the idea <laughs> that toxie was out there somewhere and if I needed him he'd come and help me yeah I found that quite profoundly moving so um that's possibly why I don't really remember the details yeah. of you know, his kiss offline, the toxic waste one. Um, it that was, actually never rings true to me for some reason, but I, the the very end, this sequence, has stayed with me my whole life. I love it. Maybe, like, um, the reason that you've kind of
1: stopped taking stock of the dialogue up to that is because after the first viewing, you've kind of started preemptively weeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. It
2: probably is. I can't Could see the screen through the tears. I can't hear the <laughs> well, dialogue over the sound of my sobs. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get that, because
0: in The Toxic Avenger, Melvin is more than he's ever been he is a more complete more beloved person he is the person he wanted to be ultimately but it's taken him becoming this monster to be that
2: and that's that's quite beautiful and like you say his altruistic actions endear him to the people that used to pick on him and now he's accepted and he's found love and oh what an ending and Perfect he's pu- he's
1: punching by the way like because she's quite attractive cheers I'm very nice agreed on all counts um with this we're out on the toxic avenger scene i don't think i really need to dig in too much to what you guys impressions are on this sam you obviously chose it andy you've been a vocal advocate of it this entire time Mm -hmm. however if anybody has any concluding comments now would be the time (laughs) i want to hear yours mitch yeah i mean you know what we think yeah i would say that i have come out of the other side of this conversation liking this more okay yes i'm Um, two for two on this this is fantastic What I would say, and I did touch on it earlier on, is that I think that the part of this that I kind of have to kind of grit my teeth and get through, I would say, is kind of the setup.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Maybe up until kind of the introduction of the mayor and what are really the central conflicts of this come into view a little bit more clearly. After that, I incrementally have more fun with it between there and the ending, basically as it gets a little bit more action heavy because we've touched on it like the, the stunts in this are great the set pieces again like you say for the resources that they were working with as well are super impressive i think a lot of very fearless people uh so yeah i mean like i say this is not the kind of thing that i would
2: actively seek out on my own will i watch the sequels maybe i mean this is by far in a way my favorite of the franchise Mm -hmm. okay 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 Okay. Uh, in that that case
1: just just to open that up very briefly can i just get um your two opinions on the kind of like arc for the series after this in terms of quality
2: i don't know what to say really it's just more kind of personal taste i love this film so much the sequels don't necessarily have the same sweetness that this has just in my opinion i don't know what you think andy
0: i'm much the same as you I, i just think this film's got much more heart and much more to say, yeah. and it's just its just a nicer experience, it's like everything else, I think much the sequels would rub you up the wrong way so much because they elevate all those trauma elements that you're not a massive fan of, even further.
2: Sure, but. okay, that sounds like good advice for me. No, I was just going to bring it full circle around to a little more flesh, being on trauma now <laughs> um, <laughs> because uh, I am also a, a marketing man yeah uh, you could probably see why i was so happy to have it on troma mm-hmm. mitch uh, absolutely 100 percent.
1: yeah and uh sam i was also about to bring in full circle to uh your film a little more flesh hitting troma now on the first of december now Obviously, we talked about this film a little bit uh, the first time that you were on. Yeah, I think if I remember rightly, it was kind of just hitting the festival circuit at that point.
0: I think we'd both seen it by that point, Mitch. Right?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. we. I think we caught up with it certainly around that time. I mean, I, I think it's great. It's still, mm-hmm. it's still Brilliant. one of my favourite films, genre or otherwise, that I've seen this year.
2: Oh, thank you, Mitch. That really means a lot.
1: I'm really excited for other people to see it and just to be able to talk to a few more people about it, because I know a lot of people who I think that it'll really appeal to. You. I know uh, also I don't mind telling you, Sam, I know a lot of people that it won't. Yeah, <laughs> as <well>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean that as an absolute compliment, um, because I think that I think that you've made a really interesting, challenging thing here. And I personally like it was just right up my street. It's precisely the kind of Soon. thing that um, it takes five boxes. So uh, do you want to talk, just for anyone who hasn't heard the Garbage Pail Kids episode, do you want to talk a little bit about the film itself?
2: Yeah, well, I just, I I do want to quickly thank you because, yeah, we talked about it on the Garbage Pail Kids episode, but then I listened to, I heard you guys talk about it on um, the the mini-sode. Oh, yeah. um, Where you went into a bit more detail and I really, really, really appreciated that and, and that kind of support because you guys are kind of two of the first people to really see it yeah. outside of the inner circle of the people that made it so um, your response really meant a lot to me but yeah to anyone that hasn't listened to either of those episodes it's basically about a monstrous director the <laughs> the ultimate movie monster uh, named Stanley Doral he is returning to a film that he made in the 70s but was banned because it was so disturbing reasons i won't reveal here um but yeah he's returning to it because a blu-ray company deep cut videos are releasing it for the first time and he's been asked to provide an audio commentary which turns into something more akin to a confessional but will he suffer for his crimes you'll have to watch the film to find out but um (laughs) Yeah, that's about the size of it. And and people can
1: by the time this goes out, it'll just be a few days away. Um, so that's hitting Drummond out uh, this Tuesday, December first.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, thanks again for the support and thanks for having me back so soon after the Garbage Pail Kids episode. Cause yeah. that was only in February, so thank you for having me back.
1: Yeah,
0: we no we problem. did we did that episode in February before everything went crazy, Sam. Before the world yeah. went to shit. So, uh, it's it's nice to have you back and for someone to come back with some. Good news, positive things happening. So,
2: yeah, it's, it's it's really excellent to have you back. And the timing couldn't be better. Oh, thank you, man. And um, I know what your next episode is. I don't know that you've announced it yet, but we I'm very yet, excited no. about that as well. So I won't say any more than that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm glad that the timing worked out.
1: And, Sam, before we go, also, of course,
2: uh, Auto Video Podcast still ticking along. It is indeed. I love doing that with Dan Martin, who was on your excellent Murder Rock episode. (laughs) I listened to that and enjoyed it greatly. Um, Yeah, really good episode of your podcast. But for our podcast, the most recent one that went up was being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. And the next one we're doing, I think will appeal to you both. It is Tremors. Wonderful. Uh, Nice. So, yeah, I love doing that podcast with Dan. He is a legend. Couldn't agree more. Um, And Sam, before you head
1: out of here where can people get you on
2: social media oh they can find me on uh twitter at sam ashurst it's just my name s-a-m-a-s-h-u-r-s-t and on instagram at sam ashurst 23 the number two the number three yeah that's that's it cool uh sam it's great to
1: have you back it's great to have you back with some good news as well as andy said yeah this has been great thanks again thank you you, sam yeah love you
2: both see you soon bye bye
1: You know, I didn't realise how much I missed Sam until they came back. Yeah, me too.
0: It's an absolute hoot. Always great choices. Weirdly, everything he brings to the table has green sludge in it.
1: Uh Aha, yeah, if and when he comes back for a third time, I'm very curious to see what weird, hyper-real, grimy, slimy thing he (laughs) chooses.
0: Got to say, a far better film than Garbage Pail Kids.
1: Yes, objectively, I would say it probably is better. A big thank you to Sam Ashurst for joining us this week and talking the Toxic Avenger. Check out the Arrow video podcast. It's amazing. And more mm-hmm. to the point, as of this Tuesday, check out A Little More Flesh on Troma now. It's really, really striking. Yeah, it's, Go it's, check it's, it's out. excellent. But with that, we're done for another one of these. We will be back, though, on Monday, needless to say. Another minisode inbound. We will be joining you once again on your Nature Gone Wild side quest. Mm-hmm. We'll be dusting off our christmas theme to uh let you know who our first december main episode is going to be and i think that you guys are going to enjoy it
0: i hope so i would certainly hope so
1: <laughs> yeah we will of course also be taking a look at what we've been watching taking a look at your feedback as well and needless to say playing another round of mitch's pitches which i will honestly do this week
0: mm. i've got a couple of uh, festive themed animal films coming up in the next couple of weeks
1: lovely okay cool very exciting yeah in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us, there are of course loads of ways you can do that on Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong violent PC. You can email Strong Scenes at gmail.com. And you can join the burgeoning bad movie club that is currently thriving in our Facebook group, The Chad Locker.
0: Yep, and check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes. Uh, plenty of stuff there, plenty of stuff incoming. We're going to try and squeeze in another watch along between now and the end of the year. Uh, so it would be really great to see everybody there. Also, massive thanks to people who've recently boosted their tier value.
1: That's amazing. We're obviously doing something. Right. Yes. Lovely stuff. Um, Thank you all for your support, whatever form that takes. Whether you check us out, whether you like, rate, review, share, whatever, if you tell your friends, if you're a patron, all of it just really warms our hearts at the end of a difficult year, I think it's fair to say. Unbelievable, guys. This year would have been much more difficult if it wasn't for all of you and you, Mitch. I don't mind saying that. I completely agree on both counts. This year would have been much harder without the listeners and also without me. (laughs) Of course Andy same to you no. we will be back on Monday with another mini so join us then if you can in the meantime remember and the next time you're in danger or in need of help look to the horizon and maybe just maybe the toxic Avenger will be there you've been listening to strong language and violent scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain strong language and violent scenes theme by Mitch Bain production and artwork by Andy Stewart Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean.